Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Product in LA podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Cole, and this is an opportunity to shine the spotlight on some of the exceptional product leaders we have here as part of the LA product community. With us on this episode is Natalia Contreras-Brown. Really excited to have you here, Natalia. Hey, Ethan. So glad to be here. Going to be a very good episode today with a lot of fun stuff. Um, but first, a word from our sponsors. Product in LA is brought to you by Uruit. That's U-R-U-I-T dot com. They're a team of strate- strategists, product managers, designers, developers that build digital solutions to wow customers and stakeholders alike. Formed in 2007, they're now a team of over 100 product enthusiasts that have delivered more than 150 products. To learn more about their services, please go to URU.com. That's URUIT.com. Also brought to you by the Product Managers Association Los Angeles. This is LA's largest professional organization for product managers and tech. With over 2,500 members, they put on monthly events. The next one coming up is on October 27th at the Books of all places. And we'll talk to you a little bit about that with uh, Natalia uh, on enterprise product management. Um, to find more about this, go to pma.la. That is pma.la. That's the Product Managers Association Los Angeles. As I mentioned, our guest this episode is Natalia She's the SVP of technology at the Books, and some of her past roles have included VP of product at the Books, head of product strategy at the Flex Company, head of product at Tastemade, and way, way back, she was a PM at Shoe Dazzle. And one interesting thing you may learn about Natalia by going to her LinkedIn page is it looks like she studied abroad in Lund, Sweden. And Natalia, I have to admit, I had to Google Lund to, to know exactly where it was, um, Looks like it was, a, it was a great time. Yeah, no, it's you know it's a small southern Sweden town, but I am of Scandinavian descent, and I wanted to go visit Scandinavia. I spent many summers in Finland, and Sweden was the closest I could get through my university. Um, but it was a good time. That's terrific. So it was a bit of a homecoming. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, as we talk to these product folks on Product LA, you know. It is a tough field to come into, uh, especially since there's no way to study. There's no classes specifically on product management. So everyone has their own journey. Natalia, really excited to learn more about your journey into product and and how you found yourself here. Definitely. Yeah. Um, You know, as you mentioned, there was no product management in college. I went to UC Santa Barbara, just up the coast from LA, um, and I studied business economics with an emphasis in accounting. I, you know, I figured business was where I wanted to go, but, um, you know, as I was there, I actually worked for an interior design firm and I realized that creativity was something I really wanted, um, in my career. And so after graduating, I was like gung ho on interior design, which I know you're like, how do you go from interior design to product? But right. Right. Um, So I studied at UCLA Extension for like a year, learning more about interior design. And I thought, I'm going to get my master's in interior design and start my own business and all of these things. I was very entrepreneurial. Um, And I applied to a school in Italy 
and it was a you know a design school and they kind of came back and said you know you don't have enough technical experience yet like the autocad all of those things so you can either continue doing interior design uh, like undergraduate for a year or we have this business design program that might be interesting to you and i had never heard of business design before um i hadn't even heard of design thinking this was like 2010 so you know okay. it's still the new theory um, and I was like, you know, this sounds kind of cool. It like marries like business principles and design principles. It's in Italy. It's a year program. Why not? I'm like 23. So I decide instead to pivot and go into a business design master's program, which was like an amazing year. I learned so much about design thinking. I worked with uh, design companies in Milan wow. uh, and while I was there, I talked to a friend of mine who was at an early startup, Shoe Dazzle, and we were just, you know, just brainstorming how to like get more customers to the website, how to make the website better. She was a UX UI designer there. And after my year abroad, she's like, I think you should try to like join Shoe Dazzle. At, and I talked to the, I don't know what her title was. I don't even think it was like head of product at that point. She may have been the CMO or something. She's like, do you want to be a junior product manager? And I was like, sure. I'd never heard of it. I, <laughs> I just knew that I wanted to do something where I could get my hands dirty with business and use creativity in business and kind of marry those things. And my school of product was shoe dazzle for the most part. Um, and that's kind of how I got into it. And I just, I loved it. And, you know, I spent Shoe Dazzle was then, you know, merged with Just Fab and I spent seven years with that company, just kind of learning the ropes, both on the like front end and back end sides. And that's, that's how I got into product. How, how big was Shoe Dazzle when you joined? It sounds like it was still relatively small. Oh yeah, it was. I think including like customer service and everything, I think there was like 50 of us at the time. Um, so it was, it was a great learning at that point. And I think, you know, we, we'll get more into how product has evolved, but there was no marketing team. There wasn't really much of a merchandising team and we're all kind of just figuring out the website. So I got to like, I, I was thinking through everything from like what banners does the website need to like A-B testing and it's like very infancy. Um, so it was a lot of fun to kind of just get my hands dirty with a lot of different things. And other aspects of that that carry on to your role today? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, so in general, I think that one of my favorite parts about product management and what I fell in love with is the ability to have so much influence over the experience. And so that I think is what continued my passion. So really um, solving customer problems and business problems. I think early on in my career, there was a lot of like, well, this is what we need to do, build the requirements and um, and like launch it. But as it's kind of evolved, I've been able to continue to kind of look at the customer journey and, and listen to both the needs of the customer and the business and then marry those into solutioning. Um, I think I think of myself as a problem solver and with product, your your problems are always evolving and articulating the problem is half of the journey. Um, and so I've really enjoyed doing that. And then now in product leadership, it's doing the same thing at a higher level, understanding the strate strategy of the teams. How do you make the most out of the resources you have and, and continuing to 
just do the same thing at a larger scale. Have you found parallels um, moving from, and, and for folks uh, who are listening, uh, the Books is a subscription flower floral service. Um, have you found similarities and differences in those two industries coming from shoes? And I guess there's some, a couple jumps in between to, yeah. to ending in flowers. Yeah. So I, you know, I've been very lucky that, you know, I started in e-commerce fast fashion and which was also a subscription model, uh, taste made more of a media subscription model. I did a lot, um, through there and then the flex company was CPG. So I've got to see different types of customers and product plays different roles in a lot of those, but the process I would say is the, the, the connecting thread. So when I think about approaching any new problem, um, even at the books, it's who is my customer? I am a huge fan of um, the jobs to be done theory. So, you know, what problem or what job are they hiring us to do? And so in that sense, the process that I try to apply is the same, but mm. the problems that we uncover and how we solve those problems, what changes. So in the case of shoes or um, most of the products before flowers, I was solving a problem for a customer who was purchasing a product for themselves most of the time. Whereas in flowers, um, a lot of the times you're buying for somebody else. And so thinking about the relationship between the purchaser and the recipient of the product is a little different. And that's really interesting to think about. And how do we stay top of mind for customers during those special occasions and special moments that they want to commemorate um, for these special people in their lives? And that's been really interesting to kind of figure out because usually you're like, oh, it's your customer's birthday. What can we do for them? But now they might have three, four, five different recipients. They might all have birthdays. And how do you think about those relationships and talking to the customer in the most relevant way possible? Wow. Yeah, that is a unique challenge. So your end customers aren't even the ones that are interacting with your company. You're, you're almost going through an, an intermediary. Mm -hmm. how, how do you approach that challenge? Wow. Um, so I think that talking to customers is one of my favorite things to do. Um, I remember it, it's funny because I was just listening to a podcast and they talked about how, you know, the demographics of King Charles and Ozzy Osbourne are like the same on paper, but they couldn't be more <laughs> different. Um, and I, that really stuck with me because I think that you know, if you, th if you're just thinking high level about somebody purchasing flowers, the, like the demographic is broad, but when right. you start to really listen to customer stories around relationships, um, it really does help you understand the emotion that's tied to the product that you're selling. And for me, it's always about, you know, creating a better life for my customer. Um, and in this case, it's, it's being able to, um, you know, show affection or sympathy or congratulations from far away. 2020 was a big year for the books in that sense too. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because like you would think we have a very, we have like male customers and female customers and I'm going to put them in, in like various stereotypical buckets, but a male customer is 
is doesn't care about doesn't care as much about what the flowers look like as long as they're getting across to the person they love that they care. Like I had a customer I talked to say, you know, I have one for my mom. I have a subscription for my mom and for my grandma and for my girlfriend. And it gives me uh, a monthly subscription where I send them flowers and then they call me and then we can maintain a relationship that way. So I don't have to like remember to call them, but they know that I love them and it maintains a relationship. So it's very like, um, convenient. Whereas with our female customers, it's very much like I am deeply thinking about this person and I want to be very thoughtful about the flowers I send and it might be a different person every month. Um, so it is, it's kind of fun to think about the psychology of giving. That's funny. I'm thinking my own life as I give out flowers. Um, I, I generally know what colors I'm interested in, but like that kind of gets to maybe the, the most of the extent of maybe a flower or two that I know to go to or avoid. Um, but I'm not certainly not getting too much into the weeds of exactly how it looks. And so I yeah. think I f- definitely help fill your stereotype for that. Yeah. Um, in terms of um, identifying, you know, what what the like uh i guess what is the most um surprising thing that has come up from your work in this space you know is there is clearly you know i imagine that mother's day is probably a big day for you guys valentine's day um are there big surprises even if it's like a, a specific day or just a use case that you wouldn't typically have thought of as you're entering the role and then you come into this space and you're like oh my gosh like no this is a real thing i had no idea yeah. Um, so I, a couple things. I think one, it is fascinating how little time between Valentine's Day or Mother's Day uh, and the purchasers de- like deciding to purchase. So everybody knows Valentine's Day is February 14th every single year. Right. Um, and it doesn't matter how early we message. <laughs> You're not really getting anybody buying like sooner than a week before. And the psychology, this this is like just a fun fact, the psychology between the Super Bowl and Valentine's Day, because the Super Bowls was, except for last year and this year, unfortunately, the Super Bowl is like the, the end of January, very beginning of February. Last year, Valentine's Day was the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday. And I, there's, I'm like convinced that there's a psychology that like men aren't thinking about Valentine's Day until after the Super Bowl, which is like, has posed some challenges in how we get people to think about buying early. Um, So that's kind of an interesting thing, no matter like how much we want to remind people, it's like back of mind until like specific tentpole things. And like last year, Mother's Day was early in May. No matter how much we we message in April, Mother's Day is coming until you get to May 1st. Nobody's thinking about Mother's Day. And so that psychology has been really interesting. Um, on the other side of it, our flowers, a lot of our, like all of our flowers are sourced directly from farms. And the, uh, I mean, most, most flowers, I think, I, I don't want to get this wrong, but most flowers, most roses in the United States come directly from Ecuador. And so on the flip side of like Ecuador and Colombia are, are where most of our flowers come from, uh, like sustainably sourced farms in, in uh, South America. And um, the process of getting flowers through like, well, 
the process of getting flowers at all is the most high, like high tech complex system I've ever like seen. Okay. Um, and that like just the, the growing seasons are really specific. And then just the, the cutting and bunching of flowers and the machines that they use to like do this. I, the amount of flowers that come through Miami to the United States from South America is incredible. And so on my side, figuring out the supply chain products and like enterprise products we need in order to ensure that customers are getting flowers that are fresh um, has been another fascinating surprise for me. Oh, especially lately. So that, that's really, that's really interesting. So has, have the supply chain issues of the last year impacted the technology? Like, are you find yourself having to set like maybe notifications or warnings on the site saying, Hey, this may or may not get there so, on time. Like has that, has the supply chain impacted the technology? Yeah. So in general, um, we have it down to a science now. The books will be 10 years old this year. So we've been around and we've seen a lot. Yeah. Um, but weather, like we just had Hurricane Ian go through Florida. And so when things like that happen, we, I mean, our system allows our, um, our supply chain team to send orders to the farm slightly earlier. So we might like, so we can like potentially miss a hurricane. Like last, just last week, we ended up um, delivering products like a day earlier than we originally like people booked to be delivered just so we wouldn't hit the hurricane. Two yeah. Valentine's Day ago, there was a huge freeze and the entire like Texas was like frozen. So those types of things definitely affect us and our, our systems have to be flexible enough in order to allow the supply chain team to make those like on-fly, on-the-fly decisions. Um, and we have like multi-sourcing for how we fulfill. So we might have to say, okay, you know what? We can't fulfill from our Memphis facility. We're going to have to move to another facility, our Chicago facility, for example. And so our systems have to be flexible enough for the supply chain team to react quickly during freak weather events. Yeah. And then the messaging that goes out to the customers, I imagine, is that has to be flexible as well. You need to be able oh, yeah, to definitely. Yeah. give so them the we, heads up. Yep. Yeah. So we proactively, we all that information has to go to our customer service team and we also put it on the website where we kind of keep our customers up to date because the, you know, the flower industry, it's hyper perishable. It's a little different than shoes or yoga pants or things like that. That's terrific. And, mm -hmm. and like kind of looking forward, how do you see the technology changing maybe in a world where folks are paying a little bit more attention to supply chains? I think, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a thing that people spoke about on a weekly basis or in a casual basis um, two, three years ago, but it seems to be a recurring theme. Uh, even post COVID, it just seems to keep cropping up as a challenge. Do you see, like, where do you see it for the future of, of I guess, product management and it's uh, and a supply chain impact on product management or, or not? Is it, is it, yeah. is, this, is this fleeting? Uh, I don't, I don't think it's fleeting at all. I think that, Regardless of supply chain problems, the demand for instantaneous delivery, thanks to companies like Instacart um, and DoorDash, is really kind of forcing us to think about fulfillment completely differently. And so regardless of like the large supply chain in, in like problems we've had, there's a lot of opportunity 
that it was uncovered by that. And I mean, it's one of my favorite things to think about even at the books, you know, another thing that's interesting about flowers is we're not delivering, like if you think about Amazon, Amazon can tell you, okay, it'll be there in two days or it'll be there in three days, but you okay. can't order something on Amazon and be like, send it on this specific day for my wife's birthday. And that's what our supply chain has to do. And so I think about the layers that go into our calculations behind uh, lead days to get it from the farm to the fe to FedEx, FedEx to the customer, and then calculating a, a delivery date based off of that. And that's really the platform that we're we have and we're continuing to build on. Um, but that's only scratching the surface because eventually you want to like look at things like sell through to decide where to fulfill from. So if you have to diversify your supply chain in order to be closer to the customer then you need to be able to route orders in an efficient way. Currently, you know, you have one big, or the, traditionally really, you have like one, two DCs that or distribution centers that fulfill all your orders and they get there in two to three days. If the customer's expecting it in 15 minutes, then you have to get a lot more crafty about how you're routing orders, how you're supplying your dis distribution centers effectively in order to keep costs down and customers happy. And so that, I think, from, from a product perspective, is super interesting. Yes, yeah, so it's a, like, a more sophisticated, more demanding customer base. Uh, mm -hmm. I can just think back to, I know why this is the one that comes to mind, but cereal boxes. If you sent a wafer or something on a cereal box as a kid growing up, it would always say coming to you in like two to six weeks. Mm -hmm. These days, it seems like the we're just becoming accustomed to knowing on demand when it will be here, uh, which I guess presents another challenge to 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 folks in the in the supply business where if it misses that tight tight window, mm -hmm. um, you know. It, it can present real challenges. Are there, are there things that you guys are, have worked on or something that's exciting that you've built out to, to help, I guess, keep folks up to date when, when the package doesn't make it on time. And I guess specifically for you guys, if you miss, you know, the birthday or the anniversary, it's a big deal. If I don't get my, you know, my new microphone, you know, this today versus tomorrow, I might be peed, but uh, it, it won't, change relationships um, yeah. how, how does that how does that factor into you know your work with the technology yeah definitely so um there's a couple steps right if if there is if it's going to be late by like and this is generalization but by a certain number of days where it won't get there at all uh or that specific package won't get there at all then we want to be flexible enough to be able to fulfill that same product from a different location more quickly, right? So we have, the way ours are set up is we have farms and we have distribution centers and our distribution centers are closer to the customer so we can get products there faster. So there's a world where you might say, okay, these roses aren't gonna make it from Ecuador on time. We have roses at the DC, send them a second package, make sure that one's on time and then they have two. Mm. Um, of course, there's times currently where we won't be able to do that. Um, and we have to just be proactive about getting to like telling the customer that it's either going to be late or, um, and, and, you know, discounting as possible. We have started now to dip our toe into retail and owned and operated retail. Our first retail store opened, um, here in LA at the Alfred location on Robertson. 
And it's been a big learning experience for everybody at the Books, but especially the product team as we think about how might um, retail stores play into ensuring customer satisfaction despite supply chain issues. So we're not sure how we're going to do it yet, but like that's kind of the thought process is layering on backup plans. I think um, retail also will allow us to like help with same day delivery a lot easier. Oh, that's exciting. So, and it brings another, I guess, another layer to it for, especially from the product team where you're trying to identify, you know, the customer experience. Now there's actual people who will be participating in it rather than simply technology. So yeah. um, fun challenges, challenges, mm-hmm. but it sounds like there's a good challenges. And then you guys are uh, on a terrific tread, a ter- yeah. terrific track right now. It's exciting. So, yeah. Yeah. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun and I can't wait to see what we do next. Uh, terrific. Um, we're coming up to the time here. Um, as always, you know, this is LA product in LA. We try to keep it based in LA. Um, I know you're, you're native Angelino. So sometimes this question's a little harder. It's a little easier for us transplants, but what, what is the most LA thing that's happened to you? And it can be product related. It doesn't have to be, um, but curious to hear what's your story. Yeah. Um, so I mean, this was a tough question. Like you mentioned, being from here, LA, um, LA things don't seem so LA to me. Um, (laughs) However, um, I guess my first product job was at Shoe Dazzle. And for those of you who know Shoe Dazzle back in 2010, 2011, Kim Kardashian was the spokesperson. And so I was on And I was doing wearing many hats. So I got to like sit in on photo shoots with Kim Kardashian. (laughs) And, you know, we had, um, we also would have other celebrities come in later. Shoe Dazzle had um, uh, Rachel Zoe as the like lead face of Shoe Dazzle. And so I've I've been able to kind of brush shoulders with celebrities throughout my, my time in product. And I guess that would probably only happen in LA versus Silicon Valley. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, or, or anywhere. You know, running yeah, running into Kim Kardashian on your day job, uh, yeah. watching her in a photo shoot. Yeah, exactly. That's terrific. That, that's a great note to end on. Um, thank you again. Our guest is Natalia Contreras Brown, and the company is The Books. Uh, thank you so much, Natalia. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. It's been really fun. This is a great one. Um, I'd also like to thank our sponsors. That's PMALA at PMA.LA and you rue it. U R U I T at U R U I T.com. Thank you again to everyone uh, for listening to us, and uh, we'll see you next time on Product in LA.